to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, May 14th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, uh, this is not exactly Broadway related, um, but I figured it was important to say uh, yesterday we learned that the I mean, there's no way to to talk about this person without saying that she was a legend and an icon. Doris Day passed away at the age of 97. There was, if you look on IVDB, James, there was somebody named Doris Day who has some Broadway credits. I, it was not her, uh, oh. apparently. It was somebody else. But she, uh, of course, starred in a number of, of big screen musicals, including uh, A T for Two, Calamity Jane, The Pajama Game, and... All those other great films, Pillow Talk. She went on to be an incredible activist uh, post her screen career, but uh, just a wonderful, wonderful star and a wonderful human being. Uh, passed away at the age of 97. And I know a lot of theater fans uh, and musical fans, both on stage and screen, uh, are missing her today. You know, I, I really didn't know of Doris Day uh, when I was when I was young and uh, then I was into Greece, and there were the the reference to Doris Day yeah. in Rizzo's song, and yeah. I said, "Oh, what's that all about?" And I remember jumping on my bike and going to the library and learning about Doris Day, and it, it's it, wow, it's uh, yeah. ninety seven, and and the pictures of her that have been flooding social media, amazing, just just amazing. Yeah. All right. So uh, first up in the news. Uh, Deadline says that the public is reportedly to premiere a new Kitten Yorkie musical. Um, kind of. They huh? said that. They said that. They said it? And then they're no longer saying it. Oh. But someone else is saying it. Okay. So basically, uh, what happened is yesterday, uh, Tony winner Ariel Stachel from the band's visit signed with a new agency. In the article from Deadline announcing that new agent signing, which is something that Deadline does regularly they had the phrase this is a sentence it says quote next february Statchel will start rehearsals for the public theater's musical adaptation of the visitor opposite david hyde pierce the visitor is a uh, a movie from earlier in the 2000s and the musical is is from uh tom kitt and brian yorkie of next to normal and if then and formerly Magic Mike fame. Uh, the problem is, James, is that if you Google Tony Award winner Ariel Stachel signed by ICM Partners, you will get a link to this article. That sentence that I just read will appear under the Google results. However, when you click on that article, that sentence is no longer in the article. So I don't know if the public said, oh, ho, oh, oh, ho, you jumped the gun on that one. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye out. That happens all the time, especially when this was probably coming from his new agents rather than the public. And they didn't know that wasn't supposed to be public yet. Blah, 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 blah. But uh, a, a gentleman named Jeremy Ween or Wine, who is a director and a producer and a host. He is the founder of NYC PodFest, which is a, a big podcasting festival in, in New York City every year. He tweeted out on Monday night. Quote, breaking at Public Theater NY will premiere a new musical adaptation of Thomas McCarthy's film, The Visitor, as part of their 2019-2020 season with a score by Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkie with David Hyde Pierce and Ariel Stachel. And here's where it gets interesting. Tentatively starring. Now, with the fact that he says tentatively, James, I figure that means the public didn't just die, decide that this guy should get an exclusive. Um, I have a feeling that he probably saw this deadline article or. I don't know, saw people on the Broadway World message boards talking about this article um, and decided to post it, which is 
totally fine. We're talking about it. Um, but I, I uh, it's not 100% confirmed, but it was in deadline at some point, James. So I have a feeling that this is about as confirmed as an unconfirmed thing can be. So we're not thinking that Kit and Yorkie got fired from this. I, <laughs> I'm not thinking no. anything at all at this point, because <laughs> who the hell knows? Um, but no, I, I, I feel like this is something that I actually have been attached to since 2014. Um, it's a story of, and I'm going to get this um, probably a little bit confused. So if I get some of the details wrong, I apologize. But the uh, the Thomas McCarthy film, The Visitor, actually has to do with a New York City resident, played by David Hyde Pierce in this case, um, befriending uh, a Syrian refugee, I think, post 9-11. Um, actually, according to our friend uh, Seth Christianfeld on Twitter, he actually said that Mandy Patinkin had been involved with some of the readings for this uh, in the David Hyde Pierce part. But um, uh, so it seems like a great show, um, something of substance that makes sense for the public theater, makes sense for Kit and Yorkie. And hopefully they announce this uh, pretty soon, because after uh, after the uh, Shakespeare in the Park stuff, there is literally nothing on the public theater schedule. If you go to the public theater and look at what they have coming up in the 2019-2020 season, there ain't nothing listed. So hopefully we get this. Maybe we finally get the uh, David Ives, uh, Stephen Sondheim show as well, which I've heard other less deadline substantiated rumors that might be coming in the fall. Hmm. So uh, not even like uh, drink specials for Joe's Pub? Uh, there, there is nothing. There nothing. is literally nothing on the public theater's calendar. Maybe they're taking next year off. Uh, they are going to close down the Delacorte here uh, soon. I don't know if it's next year or not, but they're going to close down the Delacorte for renovations. But I think, I think they're going to still do at least some show somewhere. Yeah, I was joking. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Me too. <laughs> All right, uh, what's happening with last week's Broadway grosses? All right, James, I'm going to sprinkle in some other news throughout as well mm -hmm. that is tangentially related to the grosses. But let's start with the macro view as Broadway was up 7.92% or $2.7 million over the previous frame with the help of Morrissey's in-residence numbers finally being included. We lamented last week, James, that Live Nation and company did not reveal the box office receipts for the first few performances of Morrissey's week-ish run at the Lunt Fontan. Well, with the help of some fuzzy math and calendar keeping, we got numbers for the problematic Rockers 7 show run, and, as expected... It was pretty impressive, pulling in $1,881,374 in those seven performances. That number was good enough for third on the weekly grosses chart, behind only Hamilton at $3,139,022, and then the Lion King at about $42,000 over $2 million. Then, right behind Morrissey was To Kill a Mockingbird, which now lays claim to being the highest-grossing American play in Broadway history, with over $40 million in receipts in it's just six months on Broadway. Now, James, I suppose this makes sense as six months is a fairly long time for a play to run on Broadway these days. And it ain't like Life with Father and Tobacco Road ever had a top ticket price <laughs> of $497 like Mockingbird did last week. Now, in what I'm sure was originally planned as a way to boost its best play chances, yesterday Scott Rudin also announced that none other than John Boy Walton himself, the fantastic Richard Thomas, a.k.a. FBI Special Agent Frank Gadd from The Americans, will play Atticus Finch when To Kill a Mockingbird heads out on the road. Now, James, obviously uh, Richard Thomas is not Jeff Daniels' stature, but 
I think that's probably a pretty good idea to cast John Boy as Atticus when the show goes on the road. Yeah, I think that'll uh, pull in a few seats there, and I think he's exactly the right type for it. Yeah, and I, I, again, I, I kind of feel like To Kill a Mockingbird is all the name that you need to tour, but if you throw in John Boy too, I, I think that's probably uh, a pretty good producing mood. And he's a guy who does a lot of theater, does a lot of TV. He actually was uh, on the uh, tour of The Humans, also another Scott Rudin show that toured, a like straight play that toured in the last year or so. But however, Mockingbird wasn't the only show to announce tour plans as Sexley, Oklahoma also confirmed its desire to hit the road in the fall of 2020. We'll get back to their grosses a little bit later, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in adapting their show from Circle in the Square to the road once on this island. The previous tenant of Circle in the Square is also going on the road starting this February. So maybe they'll try to steal a page from Michael Arden and company's book. But we'll get back to the grosses. But before working our way, we're going to work our way down from To Kill a Mockingbird in the Million Dollar Club. Uh, Mockingbird was fourth. Then we have Wicked in fifth. Then Cursed Child, Ain't Too Proud, Tootsie, Aladdin, Dear Evan Hansen, Town. Frozen, and then the Book of Mormon. Frankie and Johnny in the Clear to Loon in just a week of seven performances grossed a really kind of troubling $280,000. But I imagine once the reviews come out, because I've heard great things about it, this will pick up. But for now, it is at the very bottom of the grosses. And just a few rungs up on the ladder in the fourth lowest grossing spot of the week was Be More Chill, which dipped down to $407,296. It is the only musical in the bottom nine grossing shows of the week, thus making it also the only open-ended show in that mix. The Prom is the next musical at the 10th lowest grossing spot, but it did have another moderate bump up to $583,781, certainly not paying back much, if any, if it's an initial investment, James, but treading water enough to keep it alive until uh, Tony Sunday, I suppose. Oklahoma was just one spot up at $615,000. Everything else is pretty much slotted into where you think it would be. Um, I, I don't think that anything will happen yet, but I'm starting to believe that we will see some movement from King Kong, Waitress, My Fair Lady, The Ferryman, uh, and of course the aforementioned Be More Chill on the Prom, maybe even Beautiful, sometime this summer or fall. They might not close this summer or fall, but I bet that we get announcements from most or maybe even all of those shows in the next four to five months, um, with many of them actually coming sooner, James. So I'm hesitant to bring this up because maybe we've talked about it and I don't remember. (laughs) <laughs> distinct possibility as we know possibility but uh did we talk about Riedel's column a book of mormon um i don't remember what Riedel's column a book of mormon was was it the fact that they got new publicity shots no Riedel's column on book of mormon was the the chink in the armor that mormon's grosses are in jeopardy i mean so it's in the million dollar club this week but uh it, talking, I, I, and I was going to ask you if you thought that Riedel, if they just had a couple of off weeks, or if Riedel's got something, has got an insight there on uh, the history of uh, Book of Mormon uh, grosses there. Uh, they're, I, they're decreasing, according to Riedel. I, I really don't see it. I mean, look, the show's been open since, uh, or started, it's been 
in performances Ten years? for over eight years. Eight years. It started uh, in, in February of 2011. So, of course, the fact it's going to go down, but it's still grossing over a million dollars. Uh, let me pull back up their uh, their total numbers. Um it, it, it has only dipped below a million dollars twice this year. It is currently still at 86.65% of its gross potential and playing to over uh, it's at 102.4% of its seating capacity. So with numbers like that, I f- sure it's not, you know, bringing in the Hamilton money, but it's not in a huge theater. It's not, um, a show that is going to be able to pack in 1500 seats, but um, it's, it's still doing fine at eight, over 80% of its gross potential and over a hundred percent capacity. Um, I, I think we're fine. In fact, it has um, never once if, as I'm scrolling through um, actually only twice um, both during previews, has it ever been below 100% capacity? So maybe Michael Riedel needs to focus on his radio show and pump the brakes on a throwing shade at some shows. All right. So in this uh, in this media world of real-time corrections, it wasn't Riedel. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was uh, Roger Friedman over at Showbiz 411 that was uh, talking about uh, Book of Mormon uh, grosses. And then the thing that I wanted to ask you about was Riedel's discussion about Hadestown from last week. Uh, so anyway, it was Roger. You were, you were conflating those two. Roger, still wrong. Um, I will recommend him a website to be able to look at historical grosses data. It's called broadwayworld.com. Hmm. You can actually look at a show's entire grosses history and learn that it's still doing pretty well. <laughs> and then the uh, Riedel had a column on uh, uh, New York Drama Critics Circle uh, and talking about Hadestown being considered new or old and things like that, that we had specifically talked to Adam Feldman about and said that there was quite the argument about, uh, about I, that. I, yes, we talked to Adam about that. We, he talked about the discussion that was had. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that okay. Michael Riedel made that discussion and that argument a little more contentious than it probably actually was because the way he pitted it was like, there was like this big faction of young critics versus this faction of older critics. When you look at the, what is it? 18 or 19 people that make up the uh, drama critic circle. There's really not exactly like a ton of like super young critics. And there's not really a ton of super old critics. They all tend to be within a decade or so. So I'm not exactly sure what, factions were the jets and what factions were the sharks but <laughs> i i just kind of feel like he was somebody had some info that they fed him and maybe they fed it to him for a specific reason but i i, I just i can't imagine that there was like almost punches thrown over hades you know decision or hades town decision for this <laughs> okay so there we have it what do we have in show and casting news Okay, a bunch of stuff uh, was announced yesterday, James. Let's run through it. First up, yesterday in news that I am sure that our friend Rob Johnston was geeking out over all day yesterday, we learned the cast for this summer's off-Broadway return of Rock of Ages. Leading the company will be Mitchell Jarvis, returning to the role that he originated of Lonnie. Also recreating a role that she originated will be Katie Weber as waitress number one. 
Well, okay. Um, the show will be led by C.J. Eldred as Drew and Kirsten Scott as Sherry. P.J. Griffith will play Stacey Jacks. Matt Van will be Dennis. Rock of Ages Las Vegas alum Tiffany Ingen will play Regina. Her twin sister, Brooke, is actually currently a swing and the dance captain over at Beetlejuice. We will have the complete cast in the show notes. And as a reminder, the production will begin performances at New World Stages on June 19th and will run for 16 weeks through October 6th. Next up, Shoshana Bean has again extended her stay in Waitress's Diner. While Jeremy Jordan will play his final performance on June 2nd, show will now be putting on Jenna's apron through July 7th. Speaking of extending runs, yesterday we got two off-Broadway extensions. First, the Signature Theater has extended Dave Malloy's Octet through June 23rd, and Soho Rep extended Christopher Chen's Passage through June 2nd. What do we have in other news? Okay, two things. First up, our friends over at the Theater World Awards announced yesterday that All My Sons co-star Hampton Fluker would receive this year's Dorothy Loudon Award for Excellence in the Theater. The award will be presented on June 3rd at the Neil Simon Theater. Of course, the ceremony will be hosted by our own Peter Felicia. And finally, James the Majestic, Marquis, and St. James Theaters will dim their lights this coming Monday, May 20th, in honor of the late Alan Wasser, who passed away last month at the age of 70. A veteran general manager and producer, Wasser was a 2017 Tony Honors for Excellence in the Theater recipient. Uh, so I, I know a lot of people were, when this announcement came out yesterday, were uh, expressing their sadness for the loss of Mr. Wasser. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories from today's show, please check out the show notes or broadwayradio.com. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. And my name is James Marino from broadwayradio.com and broadwaystars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Tuesday with us, and Matt and I will be back. Matt and I? Well, Maybe. somebody we will be we back. We don't know yet. Yeah, yeah, we're not sure. Well, somebody will be back and talk with you tomorrow. Yeah.